0: welcome everybody welcome to today's episode of the law of self-defense i apologize for the delayed start some stuff broke just when we were getting ready to launch so but i'm here now i am of course attorney andrew branca for the law of self-defense thank you thank you so very very much It's greatly appreciated. For those of you uh, law self-defense members watching on the uh, member dashboard, we forgot to update it for today's show, but it is streaming (laughs) now. Um, Sorry about that. Let me take a quick look at Twitter. Yeah, okay. looks like everything is working just fine. So today we are here to take a walk down memory lane to talk about George Soros, financed Baltimore State's attorney, former Marilyn Mosby, and how she persecuted six Baltimore police officers on charges as serious as murder and manslaughter with zero evidence that any of them had done anything unlawful, whatever, to cover up her own errors in judgment and the consequences of what happened afterwards. So the reason this is in the news Because her misconduct in those persecutions of those Baltimore police officers actually happened nine years ago, nine years ago. But she's back in the news today. Why? Because today we'll be closing arguments in a federal fraud case against her in which she's looking at 60 years possible sentence. Just last November, she was convicted in federal court on separate charges of perjury. She's not yet been sentenced on that. The sentencing judge is waiting for a verdict in this case before sentencing moves forward. And so she's in the headlines in a negative way once again. So with that out of the way, let's go ahead and do the formal launch for today's show. And uh, we'll talk about the Freddie Gray persecutions led by Marilyn Mosby nine years ago. All right, so today's show is brought to us by none other than CCW Safe. CCW Safe, a provider of legal services coverage for self-defense scenarios. There's a number of companies out there that provide similar kinds of products and services. CCW Safe is the one in which I am personally a member, the one I most trust if you'd like to learn why, I have a short video explaining all of that in detail at slash trust. So if you're looking for this kind of coverage, this kind of backing, CCW Safe is the provider that I recommend people take a hard look at at slash trust. And when you get there, you'll get a discount code for 10% off should you decide to join CCW Safe. Again, that's slash trust. We'd all like to think that the amount of resources you can bring to your legal defense shouldn't affect the justice you get, folks, but it really does. And CCW Safe makes sure you have the resources you need if you're ever compelled to defend yourself, your family, or your property. Again, that's lawofselfdefense.com slash trust. All right, so um, for any of you who would like super detailed coverage of the Freddie Gray events, Uh, At the time, nine years ago, I was covering the trial for Professor William Jacobson over at Legal Insurrection. This is the website there. This is specifically the coverage of the Freddie Gray case. Now, not all of these are posts, blog posts by me. Uh, Many of them are. I did follow the trial every minute of it. All the trials that were held, they were televised. And I wrote about them daily, day by day. You can see there's six pages of content here, most most of which is is mine. Uh, So I will put a link to legal insurrection um, in the description that brings you to this page where they've aggregated all this content. So if you want the real nitty gritty details, that's where I covered it all. For purposes of this show, I'm just going to speak by memory. I didn't reread everything that happened in the case. So if there's a um, any conflict between what I'm saying today and what I wrote in those blog posts, the blog posts, the contemporaneous coverage would be the more accurate. Uh, I also wanted to, let's see. Where is that? Let me pull up this picture. Okay. So let's talk about the Freddie Gray case. So Freddie Gray was a small time street corner drug dealer in Baltimore, and he was operating in what was basically an open air drug market. And the Baltimore police decided to do a raid of that block. And they swept in with a whole bunch of officers uh, and arrested a whole bunch of low- level drug dealers. Freddie Gray saw the cops coming and he ran when he saw them. Classic consciousness of guilt evidence, of course. Um, and the cops pursued Freddie Gray uh, when he was running, tackled him to the ground. He was extremely non-compliant with arrest. Uh, they found in a legal pocket knife on his person what Baltimore refers to as an assisted opening pocket knife, they're unlawful under Baltimore City uh, ordinance routinely prosecuted suspects caught with these knives. I think that's a ridiculous law to have on the books. Uh, but nevertheless, that was the law, the ordinance under which Freddie Gray was arrested. Uh, the police had to struggle with him to get him in cuffs and then had to struggle with him to get him in the police van. They did finally get him in the van. The van drove several blocks to the police station where he was to be processed. And when they opened up the door of the van, Freddie Gray had a broken neck. He would die a week later from the spinal injury of the broken neck. And of course, the Baltimore Police Department launched an investigation. Uh, Freddie Gray's arrest have been caught on video. Uh, I've seen the video. It was shown in court. There's zero indication in the video that any officer, any officer, used any force on Freddie Gray's neck at all. An autopsy was done, and the medical examiner's first report was that the neck injury resembled a shallow diving event. And the hypothesis there would be Freddie Gray was uh, in the back of the police van, uh, hands cuffed behind him, of course. And at some point, he decided to stand up in the van. Well, if you've ever been on a bus or any other moving vehicle where you can stand up, you know there's poles and straps to hold on to. Because if the vehicle breaks for a traffic light or takes a turn, it's easy to lose your balance if you're not braced. The hypothesis here is that Freddie Gray decided to stand up and it's a crouched, it's a low ceiling. So he's kind of crouched over while the van was moving. The van stopped for a red light or a stop sign or whatever for traffic. And when the van stopped, Freddie Gray fell forward, struck his head on the forward bolt plate of the uh, prisoner compartment. And that's how he broke his neck. Much like you might break your neck if you dove into a shallow pool. Right around this time, We also had the Michael Brown shooting in St. Louis, killed by a police officer. Michael Brown had, of course, fought that police officer for his gun and then charged the police officer at gunpoint again. And that's when Michael Brown got killed. That case was presented to a grand jury by the prosecutor who shared with the grand jury all the relevant evidence, not just the evidence consistent with guilt, and the grand jury declined to prosecute the police officer involved. This, of course, led to riots. And by the way, that prosecutor who presented the grand jury with everything, he had been the prosecutor, the elected prosecutor in that district for something like 35 years. The next election for prosecution, he would lose his position to a George Soros funded candidate. So he lost his career over that decision to present the grand jury with a fair view of the evidence in the Michael Brown case. We also had the Eric Gardner case in New York. Eric Gardner, uh, by the way, of course, Michael Brown was a Black man, the police officer who shot him was white. We had the uh, Eric Garner case in New York. Eric Garner was a morbidly obese black man who was selling loose Lucy's individual cigarettes out of a pack uh, on the sidewalk outside the convenience store where he bought the pack of cigarettes. And if you don't know, cigarettes in New York are extremely expensive. They're very heavily taxed. A lot of times, people don't have the money to buy a fifteen dollar pack of cigarettes or whatever they cost now in New York. Um, so They're amenable to purchasing individual cigarettes from basically a street vendor. But it's unlawful to do that. And of course, it's offensive to the convenience store because now they're not selling packs of cigarettes. So the convenience store called the police. A handful of cops came out. They saw what Eric Gardner was doing, was unlawful, and they sought to arrest him. And he was noncompliant with arrest. Um, They ended up tackling him to the ground. um, And he would die on the ground. And the allegation was that the officers had choked him. Well, there was video of this arrest, and it's very clear in the video, there was no choking of Eric Gardner. He keeps saying he can't breathe, but of course, he's breathing while he's saying that. What probably killed Eric Gardner was his own physiology. Again, he was morbidly obese. The uh, most prominent officer involved in taking Eric Gardner to the ground was a white cop. And that white cop ultimately was not prosecuted in that case. I think appropriately so. But again, there's outrage over this event. So we have Freddie Gray. He ends up with an in custody broken neck. And so there's 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 ways to shape that narrative that make it look or sound as if the police the police broke his neck. Was the allegation by guys like Benjamin Crump, attorney Benjamin Crump, who's often involved in these. Uh, racially hysterical prosecutions, um, who gets money from the civil suits around the prosecutions, of course. Al Sharpton, all the usual crew from the racial grievance industrial complex uh, were all in outrage about Michael Brown, about Eric Garner, and now about Freddie Gray. And so Marilyn Mosby sees an opportunity to decide to prosecute. Six of the police involved in Freddie Gray's arrest. And I'll pull up the uh, legal insurrection blog post where I have uh, the featured image is the mugshots of these six police officers. So that's here. These are the six police officers who were charged with crimes as serious as murder in the Freddie Gray case. Note that three of them are white guys, but two of them are black guys. One of them, the the guy in the upper left, was the driver of the van. He, He never even touched Freddie Gray and a black woman there on the lower right. Now, the Baltimore Police Department was investigating this death of Freddie Gray for weeks, and they were coming to the conclusion that there was no evidence to charge any of the officers. There was no evidence that any of them had used unlawful force in Freddie Gray. And they were about to release a report announcing this. Well, Marilyn Mosby did not want that to happen. So, hours before the female black investigator for the Baltimore PD that was going to announce they don't see any grounds for charges, hours before that report was released to the media, Marilyn Mosby got word of that report, didn't like that, and she stepped out in front of the government building with a big stage and lots of microphones set up and announced to the world and to the shock of everyone who'd been involved in the investigation— that she was filing charges against these six police officers. No one was more surprised than the actual investigators. Marilyn Mosby said, well, I, I know what the police were going to say, that there would be no charges, but I have my own investigators working for the prosecutor's office. We've secretly done a parallel investigation of this case, and we believe we have grounds to charge these six officers with crimes as serious as murder. So off the trial they go. And in the first trial, we have the trial of the gentleman in the lower left here. And it's a jury trial. And it goes on and on. And throughout the entire trial, I'm watching every minute of it. I see zero evidence that this guy did anything unlawful to Freddie Gray. And it goes to the jury, and the jury is hung. Can't arrive at a verdict. So it's a mistrial. Marilyn Mosby immediately announces she's going to retry this guy. But meanwhile, the other prosecutions are continuing. They're all in front of the same judge, by the way. The judge happens to be a black male. Not that that should matter, but that's the world we live in. All Because these trials, the fact pattern is essentially identical. They're all in front of the same judge. Well, the next cop who's tried decides, you know what? I don't want a jury trial. I want a bench trial. And Maryland is somewhat unusual in that the defendant can demand a bench trial. In most jurisdictions, you don't get a bench trial unless the prosecution agrees to a bench trial, a bench trial being one in which there is no jury. The judge acts as the finder of law, as judges normally do, and the judge acts as the finder of fact, the role normally preserved for a jury. But in Maryland, if a defendant wants a bench trial, there's nothing a prosecutor can do to prevent that. It's going to be a bench trial. So the second prosecution That cop said, I want a bench trial. So we have a whole trial. It gets to the end, and the judge acquits that cop. Next cop comes up, says, you know what? I want a bench trial, too. So basically, we go through a duplicate of the just-completed acquittal trial. Gets to the end. The judge acquits that cop, too. I believe they did a third trial after that where the judge acquitted again. And at that point, it's not like the evidence is going to change. This is clearly a pointless exercise. Marilyn Mosby gives up, drops the charges against the cops. By the way, of course, the uh, police department did its own internal investigation of all these cops to see if they had committed any administrative offenses for which they could be sanctioned by the department. None. Not one. So. One of the claims, by the way, when they tried the guy in the upper left here, the driver, one of the rumors reported in the media incessantly, was that Freddie Gray had been given a rough ride, a form of punishment by police, where they put you in the back of a van, handcuffed, unable to protect yourself from being bumped around, and they drive rough to cause you injuries. Zero evidence of that. No video, nothing. No witnesses of a rough ride, nothing. Completely fabricated. Well, after these acquittals, it's discovered that Marilyn Mosby's government-building announcement that she'd run a secret parallel investigation, that story unravels because these six cops decide they want to sue her for malicious prosecution. And as part of that process, they subpoenaed the lead investigator for Marilyn Mosby's office. And that lead investigator, who's also being sued as part of the suit, uh, he goes to the deposition and he goes, listen, I don't know what Mosby's talking about. I never investigated anything about this case. So Mosby's claim that she had done a, a secret parallel investigation, and that was the grounds for dragging these six officers into prosecutions for crimes as serious as murder, was a complete falsehood. Now, it's difficult to sue a prosecutor. Prosecutors generally have absolute immunity from lawsuit or they'd get sued by every criminal defendant Um, only in the most egregious cases. And I I think I've seen it happen once or twice in my career, my 30 plus year career in law, uh, a prosecutor actually being uh, sued, being permitted to be sued. So, of course, Marilyn Mosby uh, objects. She says, no, no, I, I have immunity. Goes to federal court. And the federal trial court says, well, I don't know about this immunity thing. Immunity is not really absolute. You might have conducted yourself in a sufficiently egregious way, like this lie about the investigation, that we can pierce that immunity. So the trial judge says, you know, I'm going to let discovery go forward in this case, and I'll decide about the immunity stuff later. Well, Marilyn Mosby doesn't want discovery to happen because other things will be exposed. By the way, guess what other thing would be exposed? The reason the police were there that day to sweep that open air drug market was at the request of Marilyn Mosby. Why? Because she was married to an elected Baltimore city government official whose constituents lived in that block, And they objected to the drug market. So they called him up as their city representative and said, listen, is there anything you can do to clear these drug dealers off this block? And he said, you know what? I'll call my wife, the elected state prosecutor, and ask her to ask the police to do this drug sweep. So the reason the drug sweep happened at all was because of Marilyn Mosby. She certainly didn't want that exposed if she could help it. So she appealed the trial judges decision to allow discovery to the court of appeals of the federal courts. And they decided that they would not allow for her immunity to be pierced. The cops then appealed to the U S Supreme court and the U S Supreme court just decided not to consider the matter. So, so Marilyn Mosby's immunity was held safe and the cops attempts to sue her for malicious prosecution all failed. well, In the meantime, Mosby had other problems. She completely, as a George Soros prosecutor tends to do, had completely politicized the prosecutor's office. So career prosecutors in that office were fleeing like rats off a ship. And the office was conducting itself in a manner that can only be described as utterly incompetent. In fact, it was so bad that when it came time for Marilyn Mosby to run for re-election, if not the next election, the one after that, she was defeated in the Democrat primary. So she lost her job there. Also, her husband began to have a lot of problems financially, not paying taxes, not paying bills, defaulting on his student loan, defaulting on his car payments, defaulting on their mortgage. She says she was surprised by all this. She herself, during COVID, took out loans to purchase properties in Florida and lied in those loan documents. She was committed uh, convicted this past November of perjury on those documents. And her current trial is for federal charges of fraud in those purchases, statements made that could get her 60 years in prison max if she's convicted of them. We, we're having closing arguments in that case today. By the way, you know where there's no mention of this ongoing prosecution of Marilyn Mosby? Court TV, Law and Crime. Remarkable. So the reason the reason I wanted to talk about this is because I always urge all of you not to get into fights you don't need to be getting into. Right? Sometimes you do need to. Sometimes there's nothing you can do. Sometimes it's just unavoidable. That's why I carry a gun out of fear that that could happen to me, to my family, that we wouldn't be able to avoid the fight. But the moment you go hands-on in that fight, you're incurring two risks you were not incurring a moment before. First of all, there's no guarantee you win the physical fight. Could just not be your day. That other guy could have a gun. That other guy could have friends with guns. It just sometimes the good guy loses. There's no magic pixie dust that says you'll win the physical fight. We practice, we train, we purchase guns, we learn how to use them we carry pepper spray, we study jujitsu, whatever it is that you do to make yourself hard to convict, hard to kill, um, we do those things. But that just reduces the risk of losing the physical fight to as low a degree as possible. It's never 0% chance of losing the physical fight. And the other risk you incur is the risk of going to prison for the rest of your life, because there's always a greater than zero risk that you'll be criminally convicted for that use of force. And that can happen even if you do everything right. Innocent people get convicted all the time. There's always at least a 10% chance of being convicted, even if you do everything right. Now, you train for that too, right? I hope you're part of the law self-defense community. You train for that too. So you reduce the risk of conviction to as close to zero as possible. You make yourself hard to convict. You make yourself an unattractive target for prosecution, but the risk is never zero. And one of the reasons the risk is never zero is because of prosecutors like this, who even in the absence of any evidence of wrongdoing might just charge you with murder and see what happens, see if they get lucky, see if the a, a politically endangered, threatened jury might just decide, you know what, it's easier for me to convict this guy, even if I don't believe Guilt has been proven beyond a reasonable doubt. Then to vote for acquittal, where the whole world will know the acquittal has to be unanimous. That means every juror voted for it. And my name is eventually going to be released to the public. And then what? That I'm living back in my community where this happened, this purportedly racist killing happened, and I voted to acquit those purportedly racist killers? How do I live in that community after that? So no, no, easier for me just to vote guilt. Now, these cops were lucky. They were lucky that under Maryland law, they could demand a bench trial. So the arguments were being made not to an emotionally amenable or fearful jury, but in front of a a judge who did it right, a, a technical expert in the law. And by the way, he gave extensive statements on how he arrived at his acquittals from the bench. So we knew what his reasoning was. But those cops could have spent the rest of their lives in prison. And, of course, we've seen other prosecutions in which I've covered them minute by minute. And my legal analysis was that the just verdict would be not guilty. And yet the cop gets convicted, gets sent to the rest of his life in prison, sometimes many times over. That's why the risk is always there. So, a cautionary tale, as I put in the promotional email for today's show. All right, so that brings us to the Q&A portion of today's show, which means which means that we'll be cutting off the streams on YouTube, Twitter, and Rumble. This is the members only portion of the show. The good news is it's dirt cheap to be a law of self-defense member. You can try it out for 2 weeks for just 99 cents, folks. Open up another tab on your computer, lawofselfdefense.com/trial for that trial membership. 99 cents. Come on. You can't go wrong for 99 cents. And if you stay a law self-defense member after that, and just about everybody does, it's still dirt cheap to be a law self-defense member. It's only about 30 cents a day, less than $10 a month to be a law self-defense member. But at least try out the two-week trial, 99 cents. Do it right now. You'll be emailed instructions for how to join us on this live stream. For the members-only portion, as well as every live stream we do, lawofselfdefense.com slash trial. Now, if you are a member and you're watching this on the member dashboard, as you should be, don't go anywhere. We've got about a 20-second transition, and then uh, as I cut off the other live streams, uh, but then I'll be right back with all of you. So, Rumble, Twitter, Rumble, it's been great. Become a member, folks. You won't regret it. Members, stand by.